This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. England victorious and for the first time at this year's World Cup, so are the USA. We'll dissect what that means for both teams as the USA and England head into the knockout rounds while probably taking a little bit of a pop at each other as well. It's another City Report World Cup special. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. And I'm Ollie McCool. And this is the City Report podcast. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Look at us, look at us. Who'd have thought it? Way. There, that was my terrible impression, but hey, look at us. A very happy City Report podcast as uh, all all the, the entire the entire family, bar David David Powell, obviously of a Welsh persuasion, but most of the family goes through to the knockouts. Adam, um, quite a win for you boys. It was, and it's been a group stage in general that's been pretty awesome. I've got to say, um, I mean, just yeah. just getting out of the group was the the goal, especially for such a young team. Um, I don't know if anyone has told you yet. It was a very young U.S. team. Um, Mm. And, yeah, I mean, everything from here is kind of house money at this point. So the the stressful part is over in my eyes. Interesting. Um, I'm sure when that game kicks off, I mean, we'll we'll do a preview of the Netherlands game and the England knockout game in part two, but I'm sure when that game kicks off, you won't be feeling uh, as as calm and tranquil, but I know where you're coming from. Um, Oli, I mean... We expected, or at least most people expected, England to progress. But in the end, we'll do a little bit of a, a, a deeper dig in a moment. But just quickly, thoughts on the thoughts on the performance versus Wales because it was in the end quite comfortable. Yeah, I mean, first half was crap. Um, uh, yeah, was just, <laughs> you could say it that was, it was forty. It, it was forty-five minutes more of the USA game, mm. uh, which no one wanted. And then Southgate made a change. It worked. 
Rashford and Foden ran the show. Manchester running the show. Yeah. You know? Well, Greater Manchester. Sort of, so, greater Manchester. Well, great, great, you know? greater yeah. Manche- Manchester and Salford and, and a bit of stop. Well, mostly yeah. Stockport, if anything. Yeah. But no, re- really good performance in the second half from England. Uh, it's always good to beat the Welsh. Um, good to get our own back on them after those celebrations from 2016. Um, <laughs> You're not at all. Like, no, not, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, yeah, it's just really good to see Gareth Bale be really sad about something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who'd have thought... I'm going to... Who'd have thought going I'm going to, to, to hammer home that bitterness. Yeah, yeah. Who'd have thought going to play in MLS for like four games of the entire year was a an entirely terrible plan to get ready for a World Cup? But hey-o. Um, right, okay. Let, let I mean... You know, as runners-up, uh, it would be only right to do so. But we will kick off with the USA. Um, Adam, I think for most people, I, I, I assume most people listening to this would have been of, of two persuasions. And then there's, there's a few people who won't be. But mostly it would have been English people versus American people. And with the games kicking off simultaneously, it been it was... I mean, I watched both, but I didn't get to watch the USA game, if that makes sense. It was just on. Talk us through what that sort of that final game against Iran was like, because from the glimpses I got, it looked... Even I was getting a little bit nervous, and I didn't really care who went through, to be honest, whether it was Iran, whether it was the US, but it looked tetchy, didn't it? And, and was it nine minutes added time at the end? Um, I'm sure your heart rate was enjoying that. Yeah, I mean, it was it was nervy at the end from, I think it was maybe the 81st minute that Bearhalter made a host of subs and brought off Tim Weah and a midfielder and brought on two defenders um, mm. and kind of set up shop from there and kind of just let Iran just pepper the box mm. with crosses. But then, yeah, the, the nine minutes came. Um, so the, those substitutions led to nearly 20 minutes of just kind of hunkering in in our own box. Mm-hmm. Um, but up to that point, the U.S. were phenomenal. I mean, the the thing with this U.S. is there's there's no out and out goal scorer, but everything up to the point of you know getting ten yards from goal is phenomenal. You know, we've got a real workhorse midfield of Tyler mm-hmm. Adams, McKenney, and Eunice Musa. I mean, Tyler Adams for me is close to being the player of the group stage at the moment. I mean, he has been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen many performances on your own as a number six in midfield like this, other than from people like Fernandinho and Rodri. I mean, the guy's Mm -hmm. heat map is corner to corner to corner to corner, wins the ball, doesn't misplace passes. You know, he's a 20, 21 year old captain. Um, And, and going forward, we've got a lot of pace in Tim Weah and Kristen Pulisic, who obviously got the, the all important goal. Um, But you know, this U S team is a goal scorer away from being, a really, really, really good team. And and because of that, it keeps them in all these games, you know, from, from defense to midfield, they're really hard to deal with. And we only conceded one goal in that group stage. And that's because the the defense was solid. The midfield pressed like no other and, and, you know, didn't really give our opponents the opportunity to score goals. You know, you think about that England game, it was really a very early on Harry Kane chance that Walker Zimmerman sort of cleared off the line and then his late header in stoppage time. And that mm-hmm. was all that that England side created. Mm-hmm. Um, same in the Wales game. Wales didn't create anything except for a penalty. Um, and, you know, I think that that bodes well for this U.S. team who, like I've said, are young and inexperienced, but they're playing like they're much older and, and they're solid and they're playing real tournament style football. And that's going to help them go far if they want to. Young and inexperienced is definitely not the adjectives I'd use to describe 35-year-old Tim Ream, who 
really adds a nice bit of balance to that team, doesn't it? Because, I mean, I think uh, the US men's national team Twitter account, it's always a mouthful, tweeted the the lineup, and with it came the caveat, oh, this is the youngest uh, lineup that has seen at the group stage in Qatar so far. And, I mean, you've got a seasoned professional in Tim Ream, who's, who I believe has just recently come into the team or, you know, wasn't a dead cert. But it, speaking of performance at the group stage, he is continually looking like a player who, despite his age, could be in line for a big money move because he, he he's not slowing down at all. And he's done good stuff at Fulham. I mean, I think Guardiola famously, in one of his, you know, typically patronizing Guardiola comments, said, Oh, if you were if you were younger, you'd be playing for me, you know, sort of a la Nathan Redmond style. Um and, and I can't remember there's another one when City played Bristol City in the court, but he did it too as well. But how important has Tin Ream been? Because he's a name I think most sort of English football football fans would have known from sort of stints with middle-ish English clubs, but he's he sort of come to the forefront a little bit. I mean, he's been the best, other than Tyler Adams, I think he's been the best player on the pitch for the U.S. in every group stage game. Um, mm. And it's interesting because, you know, there's always, for, for every World Cup squad, for every nation, there's always one or two players that is kind of, you know, the bone of contention with half of the fan base. For you guys, you know, it was, it was you know, whether or not James Madison should be on the plane and and things like that. Um, Tim Ream was that player, you know, there was uproar when he was called up to this squad. And, um, I don't think anyone expected him to start, but then shortly before the tournament kicked off, Chris Richards of Crystal Palace pulled out and Miles Robinson, who in qualifying was the U.S.'s best center back pulled out, um, mm. with injury. So, um, you know, Tim Ream kind of had to step up and, and he's been phenomenal and, and, and and you say he's a seasoned vet, but when I say this team is inexperienced, I mean in tournament football because you know we don't have the Euros, we don't have we've got the Gold Cup, you know that's that's our regional tournament, but mm. but we didn't even play our best squad in in the Gold Cup this year. They played in the Nations League, and then all almost all of the European base players stayed at home for the Gold Cup. So so he's never played in a World Cup. So when I say inexperienced, that's what I mean. And and yeah, he's thirty five, but. He's never played in a you know winner go home game in a World Cup, um, mm. but yeah, he he's been phenomenal and um, it, it's interesting. I, I you know in this hypothetical world where if Chris Richards and Miles Robinson came back tomorrow, I don't think you know you're taking Tim Ream out of there, even though he definitely wasn't a nailed on starter. Yeah, it's mad. It's it's crazy what tournament football does. I remember 2018. Was it was it Vida for Croatia? This sort of he became sort of cult hero at the back for that uh, next lover in that Croatia team that went to the final. Um, Ollie, you're notoriously a man who, as has already shown today, likes to hold grudges. And and for me, like. I have a, a couple of rivals who who I despise, and, and most of them start with Manchester and end with the the letters T E D. I'm sure you can work out who it is. But you, Ollie, you you have a you have a list, don't you? A list of countries and, and football clubs who have uh, at some point down the line pissed you off. Where were you with the with the result of this group? Now, Adam is sort of obviously separated by the Atlantic Ocean and pretty much all of America sat next to you, so be careful. But were they the the ideal 
uh, the the ideal uh, runners up to England? Do you think? Because I know. Sorry, you, do you, you had... consider us rivals? Because we don't consider you rivals. <laughs> I don't. I don't at all. But um, okay. Ali had some, as I'm sure the 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 Twitter report Twitter group chat will uh, testify to. <laughs> choice words on the Friday night game between the two. Was that was that an okay uh, outcome for you, Ali? No, I wanted the rant to go. Through. I wanted the rant to go through. Um, uh, I, I, I've spent the hot, I've spent every waking moment since that uh, USA game on the Friday hoping that Iran would win. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm quite disappointed, really. I mean, come on, it's come on, Amer- America in the knockouts of the World Cup, really, really, it's not right. It's not right. They should be the embarrassing going home with one point, not Wales. Uh, These Wales are somewhat of a football nation. Sorry, Adam. But I mean, that, I, loosely, um, yeah. Did loosely. you guys get out of the group in 2014? No, we didn't. Actually. No, but You're that right. was on the day. So we, we've gotten out of the group in the la- in three consecutive World Cups, have you? Yeah, well, yeah but you can get out of the World Cup. 40 years. I mean, yeah. can you include... We've only missed one. Uh, yeah, but, you know, you, you still lost to... What, who was it? Panama that came through. I mean, come on! You're the oh, reason. You're, you're the reason Harry Kane in 2018 got that hat trick, the worst World Cup hat trick of all time. Mm-hmm. So that, that's hat trick. Hat trick. He stole off John Stones. We should add. Yes. Um, did, let's not did. forget. He stole that hat trick off John Stones. Yeah, that Panama um, team was terrible. That's no, terrible. I, I mean, let's be fair. Let's be fair. I'll be fair to the US. They have been really actually quite good in this they tournament. Have been. Yeah, they, they were brilliant. They were brilliant against England. Uh, they absolutely deserved the point. England. It wasn't a situation where, where both teams were good, the US was better. It was a situation where England were poor, but the US were brilliant. And England were made to look poorer by how good the US were. Um, they were they were strong against Wales, apart from you know a bit of momentum. Uh, because you know the Welshies remembered they could sing a bit. Um, and if it wasn't for that penalty, you know the US would have found this group much more comfortable. Um, I haven't, I haven't even watched the highlights of the Iran game um, from last night at time of recording because I was in the pub watching the England game. Very, very drunk, very, very emotional because Phil Foden had scored. <laughs> yeah. um, but we'll come on to that in a bit. So you know, fair play to the US, but I think, but I'm hope, but I'll be back in the Netherlands on Saturday. um yeah yeah it it, is it is mad um i think when you consider where this u.s team has come from obviously failed to qualify in 2018 got out of the group in 2014 but um sort of a limp ending i reckon from that tournament and and obviously coming into this into this tournament there there was i'm hesitant to say expectation because like adam Adam says that the team was so young but there was a an intrigue around how they'd get on and throwing it back to you Adam just from a sort of without going too deep you know it's not 3am in a kitchen sort of vibe but what does it mean for the US in terms of going forward because we spoke before the US versus England game and I said you know is it is it really important the US do well in this competition heading into 2026 and you're like oh not really you know if anything the US people uh, Americans also known as know how to sort of jump on the bandwagon so to speak and I don't mean like football American football fans. I mean, like you know, the general public. You know, they'll they'll get on the back of a bandwagon whenever whenever is needed. But in terms of you know going forward into the knockouts, without doing too much of a preview to the Netherlands game because we will we will come on to it. But it's a big chance, isn't it? And and I'm sure as the days lead up to it and, and potentially past it, there will be a a lot more excitement than there has been before. Yeah, you know when I when I say that I didn't think qualifying for the knockout round or or doing well in this tournament was important. I think that's kind of 
it's, that's kind of a, an answer with some duality to it because to me it's not important because I'm going to support this team no matter what. And and mm. in my eyes, the upcoming tournament in 2026 is when you know these players are going to be in their prime. We're hosting. It's it's in my eyes a better chance. But to the general sporting public in this country, it's very important that the U.S. do well. And the fact that um, you know they've made it out of the group stage, we've now got. Our first game on a weekend, by the way, in this World Cup, which is huge. I've got a lot of friends and family that haven't been what able to watch what, the games. What kick up will that be, by the way? For me, 7 a.m. for the East Coast, 10 a.m. Right, so the tins will be out. The tinnies will but be that's, out. That's not abnormal, you know, for us is the early morning kickoffs mm. in this sport. Um, but, you know, this is typically when the general public gets on board is, you know, these mm. these knockout games. And, um you know, it's it's a, it's incredible to see because the revolution from all the way back in 2017 in Trinidad and Tobago, where we needed you know to win against arguably the worst team in our region, um, and and we lose away from home, and you look at the state of the squad at that time, and you've got a lot of aging players, MLS players, you know, a team that was built on athleticism and grit. And not much mm. footballing ability except for a little bit sprinkled here, sprinkled in here and there with Clint Dempsey and young Pulisic and, and guys like that. And you look at this team now and you see players that are not only have the athleticism and the grit, but they're ballers. You know, you look at Weston McKennie in midfield doing pirouettes mm. around. I think it was Jude Bellingham in the England game. Mm. And, you know, Tim Way on the wing that can finish. Pulisic who can dribble and finish. And Gio Reyna who is, you know, sublime on the ball. Um the revolution from how the sport has changed, at least from a national team point of view, from Trinidad and Tobago to now is is truly incredible. I mean, we've gone from this athletic country that just fights to win games to bossing games because we have these tricky technical players. And that that is a true, true change in the sport in this country. Yeah, no longer having to fight and win, more like Tiki Taka to win, which is, uh, it's, I think yeah. everybody can be, uh, everyone, everyone can be behind that. Right, okay, um, England, England, England. Ollie, I want to start, quite selfishly, with Phil Foden, and I'm sure you can uh, yeah. agree with that as well, because I, for some reason, I have no idea, it's a state of the internet, I suppose, but I got a, a little bit of stick from uh, fellow England supporters um, after the Wales game for, for being proud that a lad from Stockport scored a goal at a World Cup Finals. Now, disclaimer, anybody who doesn't know what a Stockport is, it's a town, but it's not necessarily like this sort of provincial English shire where the <laughs> the the monastery rolls over and the horse and carts rattle through. It's a, it's a you town... You mean where I live? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I didn't want to say it. Um, it's a population of around 230,000. It's, what, 10, 15 minutes? outside of Manchester. It's a big place. It's one of the biggest towns in England. However, I think I've said it before and and I'm more than happy to say it again. I walked the same streets as Phil Foden. I played in the same parks as Phil Foden. I knew some of the people who knew Phil Foden and would at some points play on the same football pitches as Phil Foden. Goes without saying, nowhere near the same level as Phil Foden, but he's somebody I personally can relate to a lot. And when he scored that goal, dear me, it was a a second goal in a semi-meaningless game against the, for want of a better term, dog shit Wales team. But I celebrated and I celebrated and I'm sure, Ollie, you felt exactly the same. 
exactly, mate. Uh, I'm not from Stockport, but you know, I've I've what I put a tweet out and I said I've watched Phil Foden since he was 15, and I mm. have I've watched that kid since he started in the under 18s. I've watched him at every level. I've been at. I think the only milestone of his, you know, that I haven't physically been there for was Harry's England ones. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. And that is and that is a massive sadness of mine not regret because i can't i can't have flown to india to watch under 17's world cup <laughs> just in case phil foden got to the final but he's a player that means a lot to city fans he means a lot to me because i see much like you do you walk the same streets as him i i look i look at a player like phil foden and i see myself in him i see mm. a kid from a scrappy northern town who you know just loves football loves manchester city and that's just the most amazing feeling mm. um he was Brilliant, and after and after all the days of furor about him not starting, and then you just and there was that little thought in the back of my mind right before the game kicked off. I was like, "What if he plays badly? Like, yeah, what if yeah. what if the, what if he just fails to live up to the expectation?" And he said earlier today uh, that he felt the pressure of mm. starting. So for him to come out, be probably England's only real spark in the first half. You know, be be constantly getting at his defender, and then second half scores the goal, creates the free kick for Marcus Rashford to get the first goal as well. Mm. Um, a fantastic performance from a fantastic young player who's finally, finally put in a performance that will shut those doubts up. And we and we've argued about this in our group chat, and I made a pretty throaty defence of him, saying, "No, I think he's been brilliant for England." Mm. Um, but he's finally got one of those performances that everyone can look at and go, yeah, actually, that is that is the night. I think I think I think that game was the making of Phil Foden in an England shirt, really. Yeah, um, yeah. And now it's up to Gareth Southgate to keep it going, you know, because he's yeah. got you, you, you've got a talent like him on your hands. You don't want to waste him, and England have wasted wasted many a talent like him before. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I broadly agree. I broadly agree. I, I think the the caveat for me sometimes comes with international football, where you have these exceptional talents. Sometimes they just don't work in a setup, and sometimes they're just not suited. And you know, we've had it multiple times as England supporters, and we've seen it with other nations as well. These these players who do it week in week out for the top clubs in Europe just don't get the same sort of uh, results at international level. Phil Foden's more than good enough to to do it everywhere. I mean, we've banged the drum multiple times that his next level is sort of getting towards Ballon d'Or conversations and uh, it's performances like that uh, against Wales which will which will elevate him there. Um quickly then Ollie, this is a, a Manchester City podcast. But I make I have no shame at all in admitting <laughs> how much I love Marcus Rashford and how much pleasure I take from seeing him shine on the absolute biggest of stages. And I found it funny, actually, for the last 18 months or so since the Euro 2020 final, the commentary surrounding Marcus Rashford has been, oh, he needs to focus on his football. He needs to give up whatever he's doing, lobbying the government, making children be able to eat food or whatever. You know, all the good stuff he's been doing, for some reason, some people get annoyed by that. And he needs to solely focus on his football. Well, Ali, we're into, after the group stage has ended, it may look a bit different, but... At the time of recording, he's topping the Golden Boot standings in the World Cup. I mean, how can you focus on your football more than that? He's just a, he's just exactly. an incredibly nice person. I'm I'm so happy to see him shine, despite his yeah. allegiances to United. Yeah, exactly. You know, I could international level is the one time where club allegiances I just don't think they matter as much. Mm. Um, and for Marcus Rashford, I can always look past club allegiance when it comes to him in an England shirt when he 
when he, especially when he puts in performance like that. The one thing I found really funny is, you know, Rob Page, the Wales manager, said, I think it was after his first game, he said, we're going to focus on our football. We're not going to be making yeah. political <laughs> gestures. And then he gets his ass handed to him by probably the most political footballer England has had in years yeah which is yeah. just a really fantastic bit of symmetry there mm-hmm. so you know if you're listening rob page I'm, we're all laughing at you not with you <laughs> um but marcus rashford last night i mean he he hasn't had a competitive england start for two years i think it is because mm-hmm. he didn't make a single start at the euros he's had a really difficult time in an england shirt so for him to come out his first start at, at, at a tournament since i think that belgium in Belgium game in 2018 the mm. group stage one last game utterly group stage, yeah. one. I think that's his first start in an England shirt at tournament since then so you know for him to come out put on a performance like that and I think the conversation is now how do we get him in the team for going forward for the rest of the tournament you know who who comes out you know because mm. you can't drop you can't drop a player who's hit form like that or put in a performance like that and for me Marcus Rashford is the kind of perfect style of winger that we needed in you know that he's got that pacing behind can get in his defenders he's obviously got a plenty of technical ability when he wants to use it mm. um you know that's that free kick was just one of Oof. the most perfectly struck first first direct free kick scored at the world cup since kieran trippier wow um, well there there's, there's a, a fun, bit yeah, hopefully so, it's not a pathetic fallacy or anything like that foreshadowing. No, um, um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of those surrounding England in the World Cup. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've, got to give Mark, we've got to give Marcus Rashford his flowers because he was absolutely brilliant. And yeah. I really hope he can continue to build on that. And how great would it be to have another English Golden Boot winner, even oh, if he yeah. is a United fan? Yeah, yeah, he's got a chance. He's got a chance to get flowers. He can have the entire the entire florist. Um, Adam, I'll bring you in quickly. Uh, Ollie Kirsch, obviously of this parish, sent a question in or, or asked us a question, um, basically saying it, it, it's multifaceted. There's two parts to it, but he, he said to start off with, number one, can England win the World Cup? Number two, will England win the World Cup? Two answers, yes or no for both. What are you saying? Can they win the World Cup? Yes. Will they win the World Cup? No. Ali, your your answer to that question from your your namesake. Um, can they? Absolutely. Uh, will they? If they get past the quarterfinals? Yeah, that's not, that's just not that's just not two words, is it? But um, I'll let you off. I don't care. I don't care. Quarter, <laughs> quarterfinals. Say I that. think. Yeah, I think. I think I side with Adam on here. I think England have the quality too i don't think they're the best team in the tournament but the way the 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 group is the, the brackets are shaping up i think if england were to get past senegal I, I i just see the france game as entirely predetermined but you know who knows who knows what will mm-hmm. happen um one thing i will say though the us and england have now separated and, uh, and sort of gone their separate ways could you imagine if they met in the final i think twitter would ha- forget elon musk twitter would break down from that <laughs> It would make me um, ill if that happened because I'd have to see the phrase "it's called soccer" everywhere I look, and I might just puke. <laughs> I might just puke myself into an early grave. I mean, if if we if we thought our group chat on Friday night was bad, mm. the England USA final, um, fuck if me. If I'd I'd, feel, I'd actually I'd feel a bit sorry for Adam at that point, uh, <laughs> only a little bit, but still, there'd be some so- sorrow there. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Let's crack on then, straight into the knockout games. Adam, take it away. Louis van Gaal's Orange Army are coming for Greg Beerhalter's 
I don't know. Uh, what what we call in Greg Berholtz's men the the the, the, the bald eagles. <laughs> the bald eagles. There we go. <laughs> Louis, <laughs> Louis Van Hal's Orange Army are coming for the <laughs> Greg Berholtz's bald eagles. Uh, talk us through that matchup because it is fascinating. Yeah, I mean, when when you consider the other possible group winners that we could have played, you know, you've got your Brazils and Frances and teams like that. I think, you know, all in all, you've got to be pretty happy with this draw. And, mm. you know, that's that's not to discredit the Dutch because obviously they are a famous footballing country and have had some incredible teams in the past and and still have some incredible players. But, you know, when you look at this current iteration of the Dutch squad, you know, they scraped through that group. Um, mm. and I, think, I, mean, I, I, it, I get what you're saying, but it, they, it they wasn't won the group comfortably yeah. statistically. But if you watched yeah. the games, you yeah, know, they, they it was scraped a, it through was those a, games. It was a banana skin group. I, I don't think they sort of they weren't lucky to finish top. They definitely sort of rode their luck a little bit. But I think you know, I get, I, I understand what you're saying. But I think that's probably a little bit of a disservice to Louis Van Hal's Orange Army. <laughs> I, th- I think if you had told me a month before the tournament that we would play the Dutch in <clears throat> the round of 16. I probably would have been a little bit alarmed, um, but having watched them play in a few of their mm-hmm. games so far and the way that the U.S. have played for about 80% of the games, uh, of the minutes in, in the group stage so far, I'm not going into this saying that the U.S. are favorites, but it is a lot, a lot closer than I would have imagined a month before the tournament. And I think the recipe is there in the way that the Dutch play in kind of, you know, a slower possession game. You know, players like Tim Weah and Kristen Pulisic and Josh Sargent, if he recovers from his ankle injury in time, they're going to have a lot of fun on the break. You know, mm-hmm. obviously Van Dyke is back there. Nathan Ake is back there. Timber is back there. But, but the Dutch have been pretty open at the back by teams that can hit them on the break. And the U.S. are a team that can hit on the break really, really well. You know, our, our goals don't come from possession. They come from, you know, um, you know, broken plays and things like that because we do have a lot of athleticism. So um, I think the matchup from a sort of tactical and, and style point of view, I wouldn't say it favors the U.S., but um, it's a lot better than if we were maybe playing, you know, Brazil or France or, or somebody like that. So like I said at at, at you know, from the offset of this podcast, everything from here is house money for me. You know, getting out of the group was the goal. We've done that. And now every game for this group is a learning experience. You know, none of these guys, except for DeAndre Yedlin, who's not going to see the pitch, have ever played in a World Cup um, knockout game. And mm-hmm. I'm just kind of interested to see how it goes. And, you know, I don't I don't necessarily think we're going to get shellacked. But if we lose it, you know, 1-0 to a, you know, Cody Gakpo goal, I'm going to be totally proud of this team. Yeah, yeah, I can see that midfield being an absolute clusterfuck in the sense that you're going to have Frankie de Jong, you're going to have the Dutch players just trying to get a stranglehold and you're going to have this little sort of this little niggly Weston McKenney biting at an ankle. You're going to have Tyler Adams pushing him off the ball. I think US have a chance. Uh Ollie, I don't know if you agree with me there, but it might pain you to say it. I think the US have not just a real chance, but I think they're in a game. And this isn't sort of, again, going back to Pep Guardiola condescending comments, this isn't me to, me saying like, oh, the US should expect to really compete. And if they go out, it's a disappointment because, you know, the Netherlands will be favourites. But I don't think, like Adam says, it's a foregone conclusion. Whereas 
previous Dutch teams and previous US teams, you probably would say that was the case. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think it's a lot closer than people will presume because I think a lot of people still work off the basis that this Dutch are an all-conquering sort of classic team and the US are still these, you know, upstarts who, you know, think football is played with, played with your hands. Um, which well, technically isn't. for them it is. Well, technically for them, football is soccer. Isn't we, don't, it? we we don't we don't recognise that here. Come on, <laughs> come on. Um, but no, 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 no. I'll be I'll be serious. Um, I, th- I think I think it'll come down to overall quality of the Netherlands team, and they've just got that bit extra quality. You know, Cody Gakpo, joint top scorer with Marcus Rashford at the World Cup. Um, he's kind MBA, of the Hammers Marcus Rashford MBA. MBA, yeah, we should say that. Yeah, but Cody Gakpo, I mean, he's kind of this tournament's Hammers Rodriguez, isn't he, really? He's kind of been that break, real, real mm. breakout, do you think? I think. Do you that's, think? That's, that's I think. hurtful. I got to say that's hurtful. I, I th- don't I think know. I think, it's, I think it's either him or Mohamed Kudus of Ghana, but uh, that's just my opinion. But, but um, those, two, those two guys, I know this is completely relevant and we won't spend long on it, but those two guys have been doing it for their clubs. Hammers Rodriguez sort of came out of nowhere, went to Real Madrid and did sweet F all. I don't. I yeah, think Cody Gakpo's yeah. on a on a trajectory which has taken him to this point. I see what you mean. He's the sort of mm. you call the, the breakout the star, kind of, maybe. Yeah, I know. I know. Maybe. I know where you're coming it's from. It's not exactly. It's from. not exactly the same thing because I think the world of football is watched completely differently to how it was in 2014, and the fact that there's no mm. real breakout stars in that sense, yeah. where it's someone from nowhere. You know, if Endrick was playing for Brazil, then that would be the kind of Hamas <laughs> Rodriguez. But obviously, he's not been picked because he's fifteen. Um, but that's a complete different tangent. But yeah, well I, th- I think 15. the US. Yeah, <laughs> but the US definitely stand a chance in this game, and you know that midfield. You know, m- one of my friends is a massive Leeds United fan, and obviously they've mm-hmm. had the American Revolution there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I, I know I know what those players can do, and they can definitely hurt the Netherlands. I just think the Netherlands. They'll, they'll, I think, yeah, I think it'll be like what you said. I think it'll be like a scrappy 1-0 Cody Gakpo goal, like 75th yeah. minute or something. And it'll just, and 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 they'll just hold out. But um, mm. if the US take their chances, which I'm sure they're going to get against that defence, then who knows? But it would be a really good thing for the Louis van Gaal story if um, he could continue on and, you know, take this Netherlands team a bit further. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's interesting you say that defence is sort of, pejorative in a way because it's got Virgil van Dijk it's got Nathan Ake and I know uh, Jurian Timber has come in to replace a very sort of crestfallen Matthias De Ligt but it is <laughs> it is gettable isn't it and I don't know if that's more to do with the Dutch midfield not having that protection I think Frankie de Jong's a superb player but he's not that sort of that natural six that you want to really sort of usher in, in, in Tyler Adams fashion I was going to say Rodri fashion but there's a direct comparison across the field Um but but I, I do feel as though that there will be chances for the US. However, again, I, I think it is a case of the Netherlands probably having a little bit too much quality. Um, right, okay, then the second, this is very sort of a uh, dual uh, podcast, so we're splitting it into sort of uh, different segments. But Adam, I'll, I'll let you start on England-Senegal. If you're to imagine yourself as Gareth Southgate in your sort of your prim and proper waistcoat and three-piece suit from Marks and Spencers and you sort of your fluffy-ish sort of uh, hair aging a little bit, a bald patch, um, sort of, you, you get the point. Um who would you have been hoping finished second in Group A, Senegal or Ecuador? I got to say, that's presumptuous to think I would ever dress like that because if I even have to <laughs> consider wearing a collared shirt, I slip into an unrelenting depression. So 
please, please none of you die because I can't stomach the thought yeah. of having to go to a funeral and wear nice clothes. Um, can you, could you give me the question again, please? God, I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I, I don't think you can afford the therapy bill. Um, basically, if you were to, to imagine yourself as Gareth Southgate, not wearing the suit, may I add, um, who would you have preferred England uh, were to face in the in the last sixteen, Senegal or Ecuador? Probably Senegal. I think. I think these South American teams, especially if you watched Ecuador in this group stage, and and you guys will remember it, you know, from from I think it was the quarterfinal matchup with Colombia um, in in 2018. Those teams are so hard to beat in knockout yeah. rounds. They're yeah. so hard to beat the way they play. You know, it's the same in in our region with our Central American countries like El Salvador, Mexico, Panama, and Costa Rica. That those those countries they just play a brand of football. That is so hard to beat. They fight and they scrap and they, you know, hate to say it, they roll around a lot. They waste a lot of time and they're just hard to get out in knockout rounds. Um, mm. Senegal are going to be a bit more open. They're going to play football more. And, you know, they've got they've got players, you know, there's Maya Lassar and Idea and, and players like that. They've, they've got players in that team. So they'll play f- football a bit more. And I think that, you know, is going to make England the heavy favorites because if it's, if it's a game of football and England have the better footballers, um, but if you're coming up against a team that is gonna, you know, play for penalties or or play for extra time, um, then that's always really really tough. So purely on that basis, you know, I don't think the talent level between Ecuador and and Senegal is that huge. I mean, Senegal has a few more players that play at a, at a high level, but um, mm-hmm. I, I think on that basis, I would be wanting Senegal over Ecuador. Yeah, I, I think I subscribe to that as well. To be honest. Um, I think we saw from the Senegal versus Ecuador game, both of them are, are, are matched quite well. And in the end, it was sort of, it was Senegal's um, ability in front of goals to be more clinical that, that got him across the line. And obviously, Kaladu Koulibaly isn't the man you expect to pop up with the winner, but he, he converted it with, with absolute ease. And I, I do I do get what you're saying with the the sort of the football inside of it. I mean, they've got Ismail Jacobs at uh, uh, left back, who's been a fantastic sort of player for Monaco, um, sort of, hit and miss team at times but they've got talent and obviously Adrissa Garner Gay's in there we know what he's, he's done with PSG and, and his two stints at Everton so they they have footballers but at the same time Ollie, with Kaladu Koulibaly and with a sort of uh, uh, slightly out of form but has a point to prove Edouard Mendy between the sticks they could be a massive massive banana skin for England if they're not careful yeah, it stinks of the ITV curse coming to haunt England in this one. Well, yeah, you said it, not um, me. Yeah, t- two two wins from fifteen on World Cup, on tournament games on ITV. Um, so well, as soon as I read that stat, I you know touched wood, crossed myself and prayed. Um, <laughs> but on paper, and you know, football football is a game that is played on paper until the match kicks off. Mm. Um, you know, England. England are the favourites here. You know, there's talent in that Senegal side, even without Sadio Mane. If Sadio Mane is in that Senegal side, it's a different. It is. It's a different story. Yeah, for it's them, a different I tournament. I think. Yeah, and it has could have but found themselves being being second if it wasn't mm, for that, Mane's injury. Yeah, and uh, but Senegal have held it really well without him. Um, I think they've been. I think they've been a really good, impressive side. As of a lot of the African sides, especially later in the group stage, uh, in the second games, especially. So, you know, it's it's one that England have to be careful of. 
Um, you know, the, the Chelsea players in our in the England squad can't go looking at Khalid Koulibaly, Ewan Mendy, and being all pally. You know, you've got to remember these are <laughs> our opponents, and we've got to and we've got to defeat them. You know, if England see a chance to pounce on Senegal like they did, say against Iraq, uh, Iran, or um, even in the first few minutes of the second half against Wales, you know, they've got to take that. They've got to be ruthless. Um, and I think that's the way England win this game. If if it becomes a nervy affair, then anything can happen, and anything probably will happen. But England, if they come out on the front foot from minute one, as they haven't done too often at this tournament, mm. um, it could become a bit trickier than it currently looks. But um, if I was a betting man, which I won't be for this game, my money would be on England. You say the Chelsea players could be pally with uh, Koulibaly and Mendy. That, that's assuming that the Chelsea players start the game because I think our Southgate possibly could be facing his biggest decision as England manager yet in terms of the starting eleven. Ollie, considering Phil Foden and Mar- Marcus Rashford both came in and impressed uh, from wide areas. I guess it's a loaded question because I already know what your answer will be, but does Gareth Southgate stick with that front three of Rashford, Kane, Foden? Does he try and find a way to get his his man Sterling back into fall? Because Sterling has, and, and rightly so, he, he has credit in the bank in an England shirt. He, he starts the big games and more often than not, if not with goals, certainly delivers with performances. So he's, he's certainly facing a really difficult sort of a question. An in-form Rashford versus an out-of-form but proven Sterling. Yeah, I think you've... I, he's, I think he'll be mulling about that one until the final minutes of when he has to confirm mm. it. Because as much as he's a man to stick to his favourites, so it's very easy to say, oh, it's going to be Raheem Sterling. Um, you've got to. You can't deny Marcus Rashford. You know he's he came off the bench in the first game, got a goal immediately. You know second half they put him on the put him on the right wing, scored a free kick, and then got a goal. Um, and that and I think the free kick could be a telling factor because unless you're bringing Kieran Trippier back in, you don't have a really kind of natural right footed free kick taker unless Rashford's in. I definitely mm. wouldn't want Raheem Sterling on them. Um, <laughs> God, you're not wrong there. No, I mean, we've seen him score one and that was with no fans in the ground, which, you know, could be a completely different atmosphere, especially with Senegal because, you know, African fans have almost made it a home tournament for some of Mm, of their mm. teams. And it's been amazing to watch um, the fans. And I think that's one thing that's been forgotten about this World Cup. But back to the football, it's a huge decision for Gareth Southgate. I would stick with, I would put, I would stick with Rashford. I would stick with Foden. Um, I would bring in Saka for one of the midfielders, probably Jordan Henderson, um, which seems a bit, you know, kind of taking taking England off the leash there, but I think that's when England perform best. You know, you put you put responsibility on these attacking players, and they usually deliver. Hmm. Yeah, I, I was impressed with Henderson, and I'm not quite sure that that midfield of Bellingham, Foden, Declan Rice has uh, a real tempo setter. So um, I, I, w- I would probably controversially stick stick Henderson in there again. I thought he did well if fit, um, and Calvin Phillips is another one who I'd, I'd obviously have above Henderson if his fitness permitted. But um, I guess we'll we'll call it a day there, boys and girls. Adam, um, until our paths meet again, old friend, it's been a pleasure. It has been. I'll see you guys in the final. Yeah, and uh, what is it, 18th of December? Like 2 a.m. kickoff for you over there. I'm sure you'll. Uh, I'm sure you'll be able to get up for it. Is it? I know. No. I'm, yeah. I'm being, no, it's a 3 p.m. kickoff over here, so it'll only be a what? Seven, <sighs> seven, crap out seven of a.m. Yeah, yeah. Could you imagine the US make the final and it's a bloody half three in the morning or something? Um, yeah, it's seven a.m. Sure. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would have moved. Okay. I would have up and moved. I would have moved to the East Coast. <laughs> 
<laughs> Fair play. Uh, Ali, thank you very much as usual. No problem. It's been a pleasure as always. Yeah. Uh, and, and as I said before, there's no real rhyme or reason to our schedule during the World Cup. We will uh, update accordingly and probably the, the further England go, the more episodes will come out. The further the US go, the less likely we are to record and see how it's <laughs> But um, that'll do for today. Until next time. See you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.